Hi, uh, welcome to our podcast. Uh, this is Impact Planning Group. I'm Mary Abazia. With me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. And uh, we're just coming off the Super Bowl. And I have to tell you, I'm a, a 49er fan, so that wasn't as much fun to watch the Super Bowl. But I love the ads. And um, just like true marketers, we really enjoy looking at why does a company spend $6.5 million dollars that's just on the airtime for a 30 second. Some do 60 seconds like Pfizer and some do more than one like Duncan. So, you know, that's a lot of money. And strategically, why would a company invest in that? Uh, so we're going to go into a couple of our favorites and, and uh, figure out why companies do what they do. And maybe there's some ideas that you might take back to your uh, marketing plan. So, Tom, why don't you start off with who, which, what was one of your favorites or how would you like to look at this? Yeah, I'm just going to focus mostly on favorites because uh, um, I don't even remember the ones that weren't good. <laughs> um, so let's start with State Farm. Um, Love the State Farm ads. They had Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. And uh, it was kind of a play on Arnold's uh, Austrian English, because the tagline with State Farm is like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And Arnold kept saying like a good neighbor. And they kept, you know, halting the commercials, cut the commercials and trying to get Arnold to say neighbor. And ultimately they brought his sidekick from, what was that movie they were in, Twins? Something like Danny that. Danny DeVito, yeah. Yeah, was, I think it was called Twins where they played twins. <laughs> which is a ridiculous premise to begin with, to, and, and Danny DeVito properly pronounced the word neighbor. Now, the reason I, as a marketer, um, love this commercial is um, I, I love the idea that State Farm has had the same tagline. I should have looked it up. It's, a, it's decades. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And then it's the positioning of State Farm as a friendly insurance company, somebody who is there when you need them. Um, and a lot of their advertising over the years, especially lately, has been with spokespeople who are highly, highly relatable. And um, the reason I love this so much is companies are too fast to change taglines, I think. I think some of the greatest taglines of all time um, were jettisoned too soon because of the egos of of new management or people just wanting to put their mark on things. And I think that, you know, you look at some of the insurance companies, um, it's not just State Farm, Allstate is the good hands people, right? Uh, a lot of the insurance companies have, have stuck with things for many, many, many years. It's obviously a very long-term product, but I love that about State Farm. I like that their creativity in their commercials uh, allowed them to stand out, but they didn't have to change their tagline, their positioning, who they are as a company. And that consistency, I think, makes it really easy to try to find creativity that doesn't take them outside the bounds of who they are as a company and allows them to just absolutely cash in on the equity of that tagline, which I think is, is brilliant and really strong. So that's my that's my favorite. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's that um that consistency over time, as you mentioned, Tom. That a lot of a lot of times people chop and change, and and there's a there's a big investment in creating that that sort of positioning tagline that people use, and it's important to 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 uh, to stick with. I remember in my GE days, you know, we had the we bring 
good things to life was was a big thing for them for the longest time and then uh towards the the end if you like they 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 chopped and changed with a few a few different uh slogans and a lot of people particularly the old schoolers were, were lamenting that and i wonder if there is something in it that, that that consistency that true north that that who you are is important and and maybe if you can't if you're not focused, if, if that doesn't represent you well now, you know, have you diversified too much? Have you lost that core? It goes back to what you're always talking about, Tom, and the, the, the core of what you do, you know, the central focus of what somebody does. It's an interesting point to see that that consistency pays off. And, and I wonder if when it changes, it, it may be symptomatic of, uh, of something else with the business that maybe is not so good. Maybe they're getting too diffuse or diverse, maybe. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting that you're saying being true to yourself. And what I like about two different companies that we're advertising is kind of they brought to life the the no pun intended, the um, the legacy of their company and kind of like, look where we are and look where we're going. And that was Volkswagen and Pfizer. And, um, you know, in Volkswagen's case, you know, they showed 1949 when the the bug uh, was dropped in San Francisco, you know, off of a boat or excuse me, New York off of a boat, still thinking about those Niners. Um, and then, uh, and then how through the years, you know, we've all experienced Volkswagen up until now with the, you know, with the electric that they announced, um, and Pfizer, you know, they went back 175 years and all the way to when they were doing, um, you know, penicillin, but I thought it was just, it was so fun having Freddy Krueger, the queen doing uh, Don't Stop Me Now and making all of the statues and the um, uh, portraits talk. I was trying to find out if, I mean, they had to use AI for that. I mean, it was just, it was brilliant how it came, came about, but I wanted to figure out why would Pfizer do that? Pfizer, you know, was clearly doing a great job during covid and um, apparently their stock since COVID has started to drop and they're in trouble. And so this was more as a as a note to the investors to say, hey, we're 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 not resting on yesterday and it's um, outdo. Let's outdo uh, yesterday and let's outdo cancer. So they're now focusing on cancer, which is an interesting, um, you know, focal point now. I, I love Pfizer, but Mary, I'm, I, I'm having trouble focusing because I think you just called Freddie Mercury, Freddie Krueger. But am, am I right? Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Okay, good. I, I, I just say, <laughs> what I'm kind just... of ads are you people watching? Because I didn't get to see the ads, as you know, being over here on the other side of the pond. But I thought Freddie Krueger and a Pfizer ad, that's radical. Well, I was <laughs> okay. going to ask the context, but you've, you've, you've spoiled my little vision of, uh, of how that might have played out. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I, I loved it too, Mary. I would say that Pfizer Pfizer was a close second um, for me to, to the State Farm lab because um, I, I love looking at Pfizer from the standpoint of our, our typical clientele, right? It's a B to B to C play. So, you know, uh, the medical community, uh, hospitals and institutions, buying committees, VACs are all uh, in the purview of decision makers around Pfizer products. So they have to consider the needs and the values of, of all of them. And um, I think it would be really easy and so typical for a company to brag about their COVID success, right? And and try to, if the stock's dropping, let's try to remind everybody that we kind of saved the world with the, <laughs> with the vaccine. Uh, and, and, and they deserve to be very proud about that. But I, I felt like they got out of their own way and they said, you know, we can we can make a nod to that, 
but we we need to uh, show people that we're not resting on those laurels. Okay, we're on uh, on to the to the next thing. We're focused um, on on cancer uh, now, and and uh, you know we're just we're just going to keep going. Um, I, I love that. I think that probably really really resonated with all of their various uh, stakeholders, um, and and that's that's really important in Pfizer's case because of the B two B to C you know approach. I want to I want to add to what Pfizer did in that ad. They had a little girl. They cut off her. Um, her hospital bracelet and that had cancer and she walked out of the hospital. And what, what's really nice is a lot of times, you know, we try to, to say, tell the story and tell the end result. And, you know, that that's a really nice message to say, we're going to get kids that have cancer out of the hospital and back into their families. So, and it wasn't all, so sometimes these things are all about them. And I thought that they really did a nice job of saying, it's really about the patients, the people that we're trying to save. It's interesting to me that Pfizer would advertise in in the Super Bowl. Do they do they normally? Are big pharma companies typically in that slot not or much. not? Not typical. Because mm. you would think, as, as Tom mentioned, they've they've got multiple stakeholders. They want to appeal to patients. They want to appeal to the medical community and the healthcare professionals, regulatory and government bodies, and um, and also to to the, the pharmacists and and to uh, investors. And their message seems to be reasonably nostalgic as well as optimistic you know a look back in the past look at all the great things we've done we've been around for a hundred plus years with these innovations we've we've saved lives and made life better for everyone which is a message that would seem to appeal very much to consumers rather than investors are notoriously non-sentimental right they just want to see the quarterly earnings they had a bonanza with covid they had a bonanza with other breakthrough drugs. What's the pipeline look like? What's coming next? That's what the investors care about. So it's interesting who, when they conceived the ad and committed the funds for the, the slot, I wonder what what their objective was, you know, in terms of the different groups of customers. Because you can't please everyone with the same message because they have different competing and conflicting interests, don't they? Well, I think everybody... Um, first of all, sport, sports is a venue for a lot of the pharmaceutical companies. If you notice, if you're not just the Super Bowl, if you're watching golf um, or any big sporting event, you, you tend to see some some pharmaceutical ads, especially those targeted at you know um, the, uh, the demographics of, of the, the typical demographics of, of, of sports fan for traditional sports, which is you know, a little bit of, of an older demographic and therefore the audience patients oftentimes for mm. pharmaceutical products. But I, I do believe that the message that they that they um, espouse in this thing of, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on the next thing, we're not resting on our laurels is really something uh, that really appeals to institutional buyers, um, very quote unquote irrational business people. You know, what have you done for me lately? Are you are yeah. you are you resting on those COVID laurels? How long are you how how long are you going to live on that? You know what's next, and I so that's, that's why I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I want to um I want to ask you guys a question. Um, so thinking about the audience of you know the Super Bowl, which there's a a lot of people, why would Dove advertise and make a big deal about um girls? Because that was the target of this was the insights um about uh, 
teen girls and the hard knocks. It was called the hard knocks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they show girls, you know, in every sport, like, you know, failing, like slipping, falling. And they said, you know, it's the knocks that don't stop the girls from uh, playing sports. Confidence does. And then um, a little bit later, they said 45% of girls quit sports at 14 years old. And, um, and I thought it was, it's a wonderful ad. It's very insightful, but why during the Super Bowl? I, I, I loved up. I mean, it was right there. It's my third. It's my third. It's their favorite. Um, You guys are in sync with your uh, your selection. We are. We are. I I thought that, uh, first of all, um, it's a, it's, it's a great time for women's sports. I mean, I think that you've got the, the battle for, I mean, it's, it's a, going back a little while, but a ba- the battle for equity and pay amongst um, the U.S. women's um, soccer team, football team, Sean, sorry, I said the S word, um, <laughs> trying to get equitable, equitable pay with the men's team, but women's sports are on the rise. There's a tremendous amount of support and growth in women's sports, so I think it was a great venue to talk about about that. What I also love about Dove is you take a you take a product that has, you know, really a lot of competition and is hard to differentiate. And Dove has, you know, made values, you know, quite appropriately the theme of their advertising, you know, with starting with body image and, you know, a close cousin related value is confidence, body confidence. And it's really hard even though Dove would have a hard time, you know, say differentiate. It's not really differentiating of the product. It's just differentiating their brand. Any other skin cream that came out and talked about body confidence or, or body image is going to sound like a copycat, I think. So Dove kind of, I, I like to call that, I like to call that strategy preemption, where you talk about something first that maybe others do, but since you talk about it first in a very powerful way, everybody else seems like they're copying you. And I think in, in product categories where there's very little differentiation or it's hard to differentiation differentiate on the actual product itself, preemption can be a really cool strategy. And I think Dove is, is, is executing on that. There's also consistency with Dove. They, they had the campaign for real beauty and they, they started to call out some of the worst excesses of the beauty industry with Photoshopping. They had some pretty powerful uh, videos. They also had one uh, on the theme of young girls, which was called Onslaught, which was a very high-paced, fast. It's basically saying as your daughter grows older, she's going to be exposed to all of the facets of the beauty industry, whether that's body image or, or makeup or sense or lifestyle, all that stuff. And they, they, they position it as this onslaught of information. And the payoff line was, and I'm going off memory, so I could be wrong, something like talk to your daughter before either the cosmetics or the fashion industry does, you know, get ahead of the game and, and start to give those positive messages. So in a way, their, their campaign for... Um, young female sports is staying consistent with that message of positivity. And it's interesting they've taken a, a, a sort of one step removed rather than the onslaught ad, which was about talk to your daughter about uh, the, the cosmetic beauty industry. This is more about, you know, support your daughter in her uh, you know, dreams, ambitions and activities. Um, not sure how they do that. They mentioned some sort of foundation they were funding or something. I don't know the details, but I thought it was an interesting example of how you can 
you can be consistent while also stretching the brand. You're not changing course, you're broadening it in some ways by, but holding on to that main positioning that we're not like the rest of the, you know, we're the good guys in the beauty industry. So it was a, a good, um, a good way. And of course, the reason why this is, I guess not many young, I don't know this, what the, what the viewing figures are, but I guess there's more parents watch the Super Bowl than their, their children maybe. I don't well, know. I, I think that what's interesting is uh, somebody called it storylines. They said, I love the Super Bowl because it had so many storylines. <laughs> and, and, you know, it was not only, you know, the teams and, and stories, but Taylor Swift was there. So I wonder if knowing that Taylor Swift would be aired, that they they knew that that would appeal to the moms that have young kids, too. So it was and that, you know, and if the kids were watching, but more. <laughs> Just to to make sure that you know they they kind of leverage Taylor Swift during that time. That's a really Absolutely. great point, isn't it? That that would be really reactive and smart advertising. So this Super Bowl is going to attract a lot a different demographic because of Taylor Swift being featured chugging a beer every so often. So yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Then that's interesting. Yeah. Um, the other just interesting thing is, is that there were a lot of celebrities and the question is, you know, at what point do celebrities overshadow a brand? And, you know, I guess, uh, you know, it's kind of, we, we have a few seconds to talk about that. Tom, do you want to take that on or? I'd rather talk about Dr. Umstick, which is the one that made me laugh. The drumstick. Okay, do that one and then we have to go. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just funny. It's just funny. If you haven't seen the drumstick ad, uh, it's really funny. It was they they created a little figurine called Doctor Umstick, and you know there was a guy having a problem on the plane who's asking for a doctor, and Doctor Umstick comes to the rescue, and the guy says, "If I eat this, is it going to help my stomach pain?" He goes, "I'm not a body doctor," <laughs> and but the other real doctor on the plane, uh, when the guy's howling out in pain, has a drumstick now, so he hides so he can finish and enjoy his his drumstick. Anyway, I thought it was funny, and I think at six million dollars for thirty seconds, they got to sell a lot of drumsticks. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> one, I want a, a box of them. I love. You're them. in a I'm different now, target I'm, audience than me, Tom. I am just. <laughs> I'm now more intrigued about what I've got to find that ad. Tom, send me a link to that ad because I've I've seen some of the ones that we've been talking about, but I've not seen the doctor. <laughs> Tom Stick, whatever his name is. I mean, I'm more interested in that than Freddy Krueger being in the uh, <laughs> You never Pfizer know. You never honest. know. And, and then, Sean, after you watch it, get an Oreo and twist on it. That was the other one that I thought was kind of cool. But we have we have no time. So Yeah, that was Yeah, that's true. Oreo is always showing up in interesting ways. Uh, anyway, we hope that uh, you have a few ideas. Uh, we always love it if you send us a note and say, this was my favorite or, you know, disagree with us in any way. We love that too. So thank you very much. Thank you.